always thought the pro-life movement was a bunch of intolerant sign holders? We're about to blow your mind. Welcome to the Unheard Podcast, where we're introducing you to the Voices for the Voiceless community of creatives. I'm Jesse Friedman, your host. Two weeks ago, we here at Voices for the Voiceless launched the Narrative Project, which you can check out right now at narrative.voicesforthevoiceless.org. Here on episode four of the Unheard Podcast, we're going to introduce you to two of the editors behind the Narrative Project, and they're going to tell us what the project is here to do and how it's going to do it. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Unheard Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jesse Friedman, and today I'm joined by two members of the Narrative team, Nathan Spear and Paul Stanton. First of all, can you guys just go through kind of what you do for Voices for the Voiceless? So, Paul and I are the editors of the Narrative Project. We take what other writers have written for us and we make it look and sound and read prettily. For our listeners who might not be familiar with uh, with the Narrative Project, it just launched about two weeks ago. So I'd like to go to Paul on this one. What is the purpose of the Narrative Project, and what do you think it will accomplish in our culture? Well, the abortion debate very recently has become very polarized. With um, There are really, in the minds of the public, there's really only two positions to be on the abortion issue. You can either be pro-life or pro-choice. And it's really, there's... N- the words have become just such opposites. There's no space between them. They've taken up all the territory on the abortion issue, and they've built up walls, and they're not going to let anyone else have any of their space. But that's really it doesn't represent the way most people consider abortion. A lot of people have very complex opinions about that. Hmm. And in narrative, we want to represent that by asking people to tell their stories. And we believe that through these stories, we can start to break down those barriers because really such such a polarized discussion is never going to accomplish anything. It doesn't really matter which side wins in such a discussion because in the end, you really haven't convinced anyone. It's an empty victory. And so until we can break down those words, until we can break down those walls, until we can find new ways to talk about this issue, until we can realize how complex this issue is and stop pretending as if they were simple answers we're not going to be able to get anywhere. And that's the point of narrative, is by telling these stories, we can show people the human side of the issue. So, Nathan, when you're going out looking for people to participate in the narrative project, what is it that you look for in their stories in order to determine whether or not they're a good fit for the project? We look primarily for people who've had uh, interesting experiences with abortion, whether it's a doctor who's an abortion clinic worker who's uh, seen what happens there and has that sort of interesting story to tell, or maybe someone who's had an abortion and is able to express the strong emotional side of it. Um, So you're looking for something unique then? Yeah, we're looking for something unique. 
something raw and emotional and human. So the part that you guys play in the narrative project then is to take those stories that you get from these people and to edit their stories. So as hardcore writers that I know that both of you guys are, how do you go about taking a story and making it better and making it share its message in a clearer way? It's really about finding the voice because we don't want all these stories to just sound like us. But a lot of times, what we get is really raw. It's not... These these people we find, we're looking for their stories. We're not looking for their skills as communicators. And so a lot of times, they haven't written much before. And so you have to look through their work, and you have to really try to find what's unique about their story, and that's what's coming through. What is unique about them? Um, in this last project, I we've been writing the story of Josiah Friedman, and what I found really helpful was I didn't really know what to do with his project, but I knew that he was a public speaker. And so I got the notes from one of the speeches he gave, and that really helped me to have some insight into how his voice sounds when he's in his natural form, when he's where he's comfortable, and that really helped me to edit his story, being more honest towards him and being able to really bring out his voice. So you're, so that's the goal then. The goal is to not portray your own voice and your own style in their writing, but to, to just emphasize their voice, to emphasize their story. So you're not really trying to bring out your own writing characteristics. You're trying to bring out their stories with their voice. Is that, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. So can you guys talk briefly just about the story that you've already released? I know it was with, uh, with Grace Taylor. Uh, she had a really uh, interesting story. You can check it out right now at narrative.voicesforthevoiceless.org. But what was the process of uh, getting her story and editing that story like for you guys? Uh, a lot of it has to do with the first thing that we would do is we contact the potential writer and first get their permission to uh, write this, see what they can do. What We listen to their story first. And we get notes, we figure out how we would tell the story, but it's not our voice, we want them to tell the story. So they mm-hmm. then write the story, okay. deliver it to us, and we uh, gather together and uh, go over the grammar of it, go over the, um, the plot, as it were, of it, trying to make sure everything's coherent, that there aren't any weird phrases in there, make sure it looks and feels uh, like a for, uh, like a good good story, upper class, well not upper class, a, a solid professional story. solid story. Yes, and I mean honestly, Grace Taylor's was probably the easiest piece we'll write because she's a spoken word artist, so she knows so much already about how a story should sound hmm. that we really just had to correct some quirks that spoken word introduces into your writing. Rather than that, we were basically it was good to go. So I'd like to I'd like to talk uh, a little bit with you guys just about about yourself and, and the, <coughs> the types of things that, that you guys have have done with your writing. Um, I know that both of you at some point have uh, attempted and or completed uh, Nano Remo, and you've done a number of other writing projects over the years. Just take us through some of the some of the things that you've accomplished with your own writing. So my forte with writing so far is generally science fiction and fantasy. Um, I try to avoid the young adult crowd or the young adult genre and try to go for the more 
mature uh, expression of that. Um, mature, yes. <laughs> um, what would C.S. Lewis say to that? Uh, he'll probably agree with me. <laughs> um, Tolkien definitely would. Uh, Tolkien is probably my... I, I take a lot of inspiration from him, um, mostly by going past him and taking inspiration from earlier medieval and pre-medieval writers. So a lot of my fantasy is going to try to make sure it has that old mythic feel. My mm-hmm. science fiction is going to be more... I try to make it as real as possible. So I go for the realism of the thing. What about you, Paul? Um, I think I'm probably sort of the opposite. Um, <laughs> he starts with fantasy and makes it real. I start with reality and make it fantastic. That's <laughs> <laughs> a way to um, when I so when I started out, I tended more towards novels, but over time, I've really seen the limitations of the novel form, and so now I, I tend towards the short stories. My main influences are um, Anton Chekhov, Neil Gaiman, um, Ray Bradbury. And just this past year, I actually had the privilege of being a part of an international writers' conference. Um, There were writers from nine different Arabian countries, Russia, China, and America, and we were were all um, high school and early college age. Did did they speak English? More or less. Um, Actually, they kind of all put us to shame. There were some of them, especially the Russians, who spoke three or four languages. Um, Wow. Yeah, most of the Americans weren't even bilingual. It was a little bit embarrassing, especially when it came to the translation workshop, but um, they were willing to help us through some of that. And we got to go to the University of Iowa, which is home to the International Writing Program, and we spent two weeks there learning from different authors from around the globe. Um, and that was, that was really great. It taught me a lot about the short story form, and recently I've been really interested in writing just really short surrealist pieces uh, I'm kind of I like the borderlands between reality and the supernatural sort of where that meshes so if you had to choose one work of writing that you've done that you're most proud of what would you say that would be we'll start with you Nathan the writing that I've been most proud of is a whole slew of works that are all interconnected it's the science fiction one that I'm writing Basically, I, I write the, a, a meta story that lasts thousands of years, and each book have, takes a little sliver of that and exposits a story from there. So I can't say any one work. I have to say this entire thing has been this huge, uh, monumental world that I'm creating is, my, is what I'm most proud of, trying to weave all of it together and make sure there aren't any loopholes or plot holes or uh, loose ends or anything like that, uh, that's extremely difficult but extremely rewarding at the same time. How did it work out? Did, did, it, did it work? Are you proud of the results? Am I proud of the results? There haven't been any yet. <laughs> so I guess it's we'll find out. It's still being written. Okay, it's still being written. What about you, Paul? I want to say the first thing I ever completed, which was uh, thinking about eighth grade. I had this massive crush on this one girl, and I'd never really written anything before, but she always used to take this black notebook to school, and she'd write in it during class instead of, like, paying attention to the teacher. (laughs) I thought that was the coolest thing ever, and so I thought to get her attention, I'd get my own black notebook, and I'd start bringing it to school, and I'd start writing in it, too. And 
suffice it to say, I never got her attention. Um, <laughs> she she never liked me, and it, it it broke my heart. But I took solace in the fact that I was writing something, and that summer I completed it. It was a very small novella that um, I don't know. I'm still I'm still very proud of that because it was the first real accomplishment in writing I ever had, and it came out of a very unlikely place. So you mentioned that the next story is going to be uh, one of Josiah Friedman, who was actually our last guest here on the on the Unheard podcast. Uh, what what should our our listeners and eventually our readers of the Narrative Project what should they expect for this next story? I think they can expect a new perspective on what it means to be the leader of a pro life group. I think Josiah's story really shows that there's more to leading this new kind of pro life group than holding rallies outside of Planned Parenthoods and passing out signs and or being involved in laws and things. He he really shows that to be a pro-life leader in this new era, you need a lot more than that. You you need a lot of subtlety. You need to be willing to hear complex stories and have complex ideas and not just look for the first simple answer. And that's really what this article is going to show. So I know you guys discussed this briefly before, but how do the things that you read impact how you write and, and how you run the narrative project? I'm a very traditionalist at heart. I haven't really changed my um, tastes as the years have gone, except that they've probably gotten deeper. Hmm. Uh, so much of it has to do with this huge, having this huge panoply of books to draw from, inspiration from, for how we can fix these uh, sentences or correct um, a small typo or uh, major plot hole in the writer's uh, works that they give us. Because I have all this experience behind me of what I've read, it influences how I'm able to uh, address a specific a problem that might arise in the editing process. So it's more of an underlying thing then. It's not it's not something that's super specific how it affects you, but it just in general impacts the way that you think. Yes, it's a lot more of how you think than anything else. What about you, Paul? I don't know. I'm very eclectic in what I read. I I'm never happy reading the same genre for a very long period of time. And for me, what I'm really looking for is something that gets me to ask new questions. I remember um, Chekhov once wrote to Suvarin, um, and he said, there's a difference between answering the question and phrasing the question correctly, and only the second is obligatory for the artist. And that's really been something that's defining for me, is to stop trying to answer questions and just looking for a new angle to the question looking for something that I've never considered before about the human condition, something, a new perspective that goes at an old question in a new way. And that's really what I'm looking for. And that's really what I'm looking for in the narrative project is I, I'm not really concerned with answering the questions of the abortion issue because that's not something I'm able to do. That's not something I have the skills to do. And that's not something that's really my place to do. But what I am interested in is finding new voices who are willing to say things that have never been said before and are willing to add new things to the conversation that allow for new perspectives. 
for our listeners who might be interested in doing this and using their talents in, in writing uh, to impact the culture around them, what, what types of things would you guys suggest that they do in order to get started? I would suggest uh, you learn a language, actually, because that's where I found that I get the most experience with crafting words. You get to learn a whole new way of expressing yourself with that, and it really bleeds into the way you write in English, in your own native tongue. So learn another language. I learned Latin. I studied German and French. I've dabbled in a host of other languages, and it does it really does help with uh, putting words together, putting your thoughts on the page. And if you don't have time for multilingualism, you can try... Um you can try actually studying this language. I've found that the amount I know about English is infinitesimal to the amount of knowledge of English there is. It's such a broad language, such a language with so many roots. Um, and so I'd say try reading something you've never read before. Try reading a genre that's new to you, and then try writing that genre. With, with issues like this, with issues that are so sensitive and so emotionally complex, you need to be able to get out of yourself and to be able to write from multiple perspectives and to see the world from multiple perspectives. And so that's what I suggest you do. Nathan and Paul, thanks for spending some time with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. It was great. There will be artists, entrepreneurs, students, business men and women and many others who will be asked to blaze this trail with us as the contributors of their stories. Being pro-life may not be their life's focus or the sole aim of their careers, but it is a stance they are willing to take and a stance we will help them take up. We will tell the story of life no matter the face, set of beliefs, or political views it has. The Narrative Project has the honor of helping bring these beautiful tales to life. This is the newest addition to the project lineup at Voices for the Voiceless, and you're not going to want to miss out. Right now, head over to www.narrative.voicesforthevoiceless.org, and as always, thanks for listening.